0: Vitality Media presents The Mike and Moe Show. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moe. Welcome to episode 3, the Mike and Mo Show. I am Mike, he is Mo, and obviously if you're tuning in today, you either like what we're doing for the first two episodes at the least, or you found our web address by accident. Either way, thank you for tuning in. Stick with us. We got some fantastic stuff headed your way, and uh, Mo, why don't you tell them what exactly that is?
1: Uh, we got some NBA stuff. I had an actual friend's son text me something interesting that'll lead into an interesting topic. We got some NFL matters. We have some baseball matters, players getting hurt. Getting in Trouble or Trying to Get Paid. And we'll also talk about Chris Rock and his Oscar skit bit on Asians. Distasteful, but we'll talk about it in a respectful manner.
0: All right. Well, I'm, up, I'm actually pretty intrigued by, um, by what you this little antidote you're telling me about. So why don't, you, why don't you start us off with that?
1: Well, actually, yesterday, true story, uh, a friend's son texted me yesterday. And his buddies in school were having a debate. He's nine, by the way. And they're having this debate, a debate we've probably had at, at his age. And he basically asked me LeBron James or Stephen Curry who's better. Hmm. And I I told him Stephen Curry right now. If you're if you're talking about right now, Stephen Curry is the better player. And he agreed with me. His friends didn't agree with him. Obviously, he might have been in the minority saying that Stephen Curry was better. But his friends were in favor of LeBron James. And what I what I what I see in this situation is is him as me, or me as him, at nine years old when I grew up in the Michael Jordan era. And people probably, like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan had his phenomenon going. The sneakers, uh, the the Byron Russell shot, everything going on, and people debated, okay, who's the best player? And a lot of people my age said Michael Jordan, in most cases. But then you had the older crowd that said Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, that, crowd probably is your crowd, Mike, because you're a little older than me, but um, <laughs> when you don't see a player play, and this is this is my point about who's the best in your generation, when you don't see greatness, you don't value it as much as when you actually see it. So if you look at YouTube videos, if this kid, my friend's son, goes back and looks at YouTube videos of LeBron James taking a lifeless Cleveland Cavaliers team to the finals. He's not going to appreciate that much as much as seeing Stephen Curry hit a hit like a forty foot three pointer on the on the OKC Thunder to win a game. So in his in his world, Stephen Curry is probably gonna is probably the best player in his mind because he's seen it on TV. Sure, I mean he sees LeBron, but he's not seeing LeBron at his absolute prime. He's not seeing LeBron in Miami. You know, he, he may have been seven years old at that time. He's not paying too much attention to basketball, but he is now. And what he's seeing all over the place is Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, you see him all over the place. He's the MVP. Of course, he just won a championship last year, beat LeBron in the finals. Kids like winners. So, I mean, of course, Stephen Curry was on the winning team. He was on the winning end last year. But you got to admit that LeBron is getting up there in age, and he's not the same player. He's a great player. But longevity wise, and right now, if you're going to pick a player right now to lead your NBA team, it would have to be Stephen Curry. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't know if you agree with my friend Son and me, but that's how I feel right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. It's tough. You could definitely look at. You could say yes, Stephen Curry is the most electrifying player in the entire NBA. Uh, to me, he is the he's a quintessential offensive player. His defense is really good. He obviously can run the point. He's, he's Im- improved uh, immensely since his days at Davidson. Uh, but it's hard to say because, again, LeBron is, is going to be 31, and he's never really had the injury concerns that Steph Curry's had over his short career and, and most people probably don't even remember that Steph Curry his biggest thing coming out of college in the first couple of years in the NBA was his questionable ankles and over the past two weeks or so we've seen that those ankles have started to creak a little bit on this young man who is setting the NBA ablaze so it's kind of it's kind of one of those dilemmas where you've got Curry who again some players and, and NBA people have recently stated that um, they don't really know if this is going to prolong itself. And Clyde Frazier, ex-New uh, York Nick Great, said that he continue, He wants to see this a couple more years. You know, he's not overly impressed right now because he, we, don't, we don't all don't know if this is going to be something that's going to be prolonged or if this is, you know, a two-, three-year deal where somebody kind of does their thing and then eventually kind of comes back down to earth. Whereas LeBron has been doing this now for, what is it, 10 years, give or take?
1: 10, 12 years. I mean, he came out in 2003, so be, I guess this would be 13th year doing this. Yeah. Well, you had. I guess analysts are looking, and other people are looking for Stephen Curry to have to bottom out. Not bottom out, but they feel like he's on this hot streak. But when is it that we're going to just say maybe he's just that great of a shooter? Maybe he's just one of the best shooters that we've seen of all time. I mean, if you watched that OKC game last week where he nailed a jumper from way out in Mars... I mean, he pulled up like he had it. Like, there was no, like, shot clock winding. Now, he pulled up early on his own, nailed it with ease. So, for a guy like that to do... And he's been doing this for two years. I know it's not a long period of time. But you're going to have to acknowledge at some point that his shot is just lethal. And LeBron James is a different type of player. That's another thing. you got to be careful about comparing great players or good players in the league is LeBron is not a shooter. So he's more of a, you know, take you inside, post, inside shot, you know, pass the ball. He has a little bit of Magic Johnson in him. Mm -hmm. But Steph Curry has, you know, he's different. He's an outside shooter. He has handle. He can pass. He You know, he gets the steals. He's He's not a superior defender, but he gets those steals. He can play the lanes, the passing lanes, and come up with some turnovers, easy baskets on the other side. But if you're looking at it from a standpoint of, Right now, I just want to build my team from scratch. I have a clean slate, white sheet of paper. Who am I picking first? Who, who would you have as your first draft pick in the NBA, picking from a whole pool of players? Is it Stephen Curry, or is it LeBron James?
0: I don't really... I don't think you can say it's LeBron James because he's 30 years old, you know, going on 31. And, and obviously, we're starting to see a decline over the past year or so. I mean, it's just human nature. As you get older, the body breaks down. But he's still... The best athlete, an all around athlete, all around game in the NBA. I mean, the man is just a Greek god. Look at his body, the way that he can move. I mean, he's basically a, an NFL safety. He's Cam Chancellor on on the court. That's not Steph Curry, like you said. That's not his game. But when you're looking at it, it's when you know you're trying to figure out, okay, I got the first, I got the first fantasy pick. I got the first pick in the in the new NBA draft. Who do you take at this point? Putting all those injury questions aside, ankles and all, it's, it's got to be Steph Curry because he makes people better around him. I mean, yes, Klay Thompson is, is, is a really good player, but who else on that team is, is uh, you know, a, a fantastic NBA superstar? It's certainly not Andrew Bogut, it's not Andre Wadala, Harrison Barnes is a nice complimentary player, but these aren't guys that you would trot out there without a Steph Curry and think you're going to have the chance to win an NBA title.
1: Now, Draymond Green deserves some mention because he's one of those great—not great—but he's one of those really top. He's one of those top-tier two-way players, along with Paul George and Jimmy Butler types. But Draymond Green is much more effective at defending the five, and they use him to play small ball, and it works out fine. But when you think about it, if you think about a blank slate and you say, "Okay, I need someone," if I have a decent team, and I just need someone with the ball in their hands, with you know, you know, five tenths of a second to hit a shot. I mean, that's not LeBron James. I mean, we've seen LeBron James keep a team in the game throughout four quarters, but if you're if you're close and you need someone to make a basket at the end, it's got to be Steph Curry. I mean, I haven't yelled at a TV screen like that with Steph Curry's shot against OKC since Reggie Miller made like eight points in <laughs> three seconds against the Knicks. So for him to get me out of my bed and screaming near midnight about a three-point shot from way out, way out, way out in Mars... That's that's you know that that deserves to mention, and he's he's a special player, and I believe people aren't giving him enough credit because they're expecting him to fall at some point. Now again, if I had the first pick, I had I would have to go with Curry because again he just like LeBron, he makes his teammates better. He can pass, and he can get me the last shot. He can get me a game winner at any time. If I'm down by ten points in the fourth quarter, he can get me ten points in in a minute. If if he's on fire, you know so. You gotta look at that. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say LeBron sucks. I know these are nine-year-olds talking, but I'm gonna read the text verbatim. My friend's son says um, LeBron sucks, <laughs> but I I think Curry's a lot better. LeBron sucks, but um, I wouldn't go that far. Again, he's nine. Cut him some slack. Um, but he's he's as far as right now, I believe he's second to Curry as far as value of a player overall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right now, he's he would be your number one overall draft pick. Uh, a year from now, who knows? Uh, two years ago, it was definitely LeBron. You know, uh, maybe a couple of years before that, it was Kevin Durant. So you know, this is a this is a debate that's going to be forever interchangeable. And maybe the way people are looking at it right now is they, like you said, they they don't expect Steph Curry to continue up on this kind of a tear because it's hard to imagine somebody continuing to score at this clip and again he's not the prototypical size he's not the prototypical point guard so it's again it's something we've never seen before from a guy of, of his of his style of play so can he continue it yeah sure why not will he Maybe you know again. There's a lot of variables that go into it, but all I know right now, if you're uh, if you're a fan of the NBA and you're a, fu- a fan of uh, offense, especially, it's uh, it's a great time to uh, to be tuned in, especially to a guy like Steph Curry and that Golden State Warriors team.
1: Funny thing is, I think he's actually getting better because I don't know if you saw the commercial, but he read his scouting report out of Davidson mm. and basically. A lot of the things that were said about him on the negative side are things that he excels in right now. They spoke about his uh, lack of ball handling, and we all know Steph Curry's ball handling is superior. Oh yeah. They said, "Hey, he's you know he's under he's an undersized two guard, and he proved that he could fit into the point guard position and make it work for his team." And they also said, "Do not build a team around him." And if I'm not mistaken. Without Stephen Curry, the Warriors do not win that chip. So those things have all been proven wrong and I believe he's actually improving his game. He's actually on the incline versus people expecting him to decline
0: yeah no absolutely and i I believe he's taken that scouting report you know with a grain of salt and he's used it as a motivational tool but i don't know how uh you know how up most people are on on ncaa and march man is me for one i love it i'll tune in every year even if i don't watch most of the regular season but this guy was he was a really good player but he was from a small school in north carolina he was he led a team much further than they should have gone. He was undersized. He didn't have good handles. And again, he that scouting report was pretty accurate for a guy who went to Davidson. I mean, I got to cut the the scout some slack too because he's he's looking at what Steph Curry's body of work while he was in Davidson. Not he can't not going to tell the future. He's just looking at what this guy could. Could do because of his size, because of his intangibles, because of what he was capable of at the time, and I give Steph Curry and everybody that's worked with him immense props because they've turned it around uh, 300 and 900 degrees because look at the games that he puts together now, so it's it's a, it's really just a testament to the hard work that he's put in, and you know what? That scattle can can say, yeah, you know what? I helped him. Uh, I motivated him a little to get to the <laughs> point where where he is. Because it, you can never tell how good players are going to be. Michael Jordan was cut from his uh, his varsity basketball team his junior year. So we just again we don't know these things. What's going to happen in the future?
1: Speaking of Michael Jordan, you're a little like I mentioned before. You're a little older than me.
0: But a little. Um, we are nine years old. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we are nine years old. Who was. Who was your number one player? Was it Michael Jordan? Was it Larry Bird? Was it Magic Johnson? Isaiah Thomas?
0: No, it's funny because, you know, growing up in the uh, early 90s in New York, you know, obviously most of us were Knicks fans. But everybody everybody was a Michael Jordan fan. It didn't matter. I mean, I had a Bulls hat. It was just, it was just one of those things where it didn't matter what team you liked. It was all Michael Jordan, at least for the guys that were born in the you know the early to mid '80s. It it just it just was Michael Jordan. It was Team USA. It was the Dream Team '92. It was it was the Bulls beating Magic and Bulls beating Clyde. It was it was all about Michael Jordan, and and rightfully so. I mean, yeah, Larry Larry was great. Larry was you know I think that was maybe even a little bit before me. I was born in '83, so I think the Larry Mike uh, Larry uh, Magic Johnson thing, the Showtime Lakers, was probably those people people born in the late 70s or you know 1980 give or take but anybody that doubted Michael Jordan was was a fool because you can't you can't say oh Michael Jordan sucks because really how could how go, go look at the tape look at YouTube I mean you know talk to somebody that actually saw the man play he, are you saying that I dated you a little too old, Mike? Just uh, maybe by like three years, give or take. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's like saying, no, Patrick Ewing was a, was a better player than Michael Jordan. It's just not. It's just not relevant. It's not. It's not true. So I mean, again, I understand it, today is a different age with social media, and you know everything is on demand, and it's it's one thing for kids to say, oh, LeBron sucks, but you know he doesn't. I mean, if you, I remember LeBron's first game in sacramento against the kings and i was like yeah he's pretty good and you know what no no he's really good he's amazing he was amazing this guy is, i mean all around probably the greatest athlete you know arguably a better athlete than michael jordan i mean it's just it's hard to say that but it's true i mean not he's not going to have the career at the end of the day that michael had he's not going to win all those titles he's not a better uh offensive player than michael but all around on the defensive end hit ball handling it, it, arguably yeah
1: Cause that that's the conversation going around now. Is Stephen Curry on Michael Jordan's level? Now I wouldn't go that far, and people yeah. who lived through the Michael Jordan era would would just like choke on their water off that. But he's 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 developing an, a certain aura about himself that that's separate from Michael Jordan. Is in the case where he's just this deadly shooter, and I think that's a little different. Michael had a more all around game. Best probably one of the best defensive players that people don't want to mention, but. Curry is definitely developing something for himself. And, and shout out to my friend son, Terrell, for, for that good question so he can start off the show, by the
0: way. Absolutely. but And Terrell, let's not forget about a young man by the name of Kobe. Because only a couple years ago, Kobe was the Black Mamba. He was the assassin. He would hit from anywhere on the court. He would drive the paint. He could pass when he wanted to. This guy was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan, and he did pretty well. I mean, five rings, it's hard to knock a guy who's going to be in the top ten, I would say, at least all-time of the greatest NBA players to ever take the court. Open mic. You want a mic with Mike? It's Mike Lowry. <laughs> Mike Lowry, bad boys.
1: A nice open mic for Mike, by the way. Yes, who sir. I dedicated that topic to Mike C. I do appreciate that. Thank and you he never much. thanked me for it. But
0: oh, it's cool. I just said it. Thanks, Mo. Man, you're so needy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just putting that out there. Yeah. Okay, I gave you
1: a I just gave you a whole segment. You did, did
0: this. That's true. So I, I do appreciate oh, that. Card. Oh, Dalai Lama. Thank you very much. <laughs> let's uh, let's start this uh, open mic segment with the man that we are starting to become. Perturbed. We're tired of yeah, yeah, we're tired of talking about him, and that guy is Carmelo Anthony.
1: Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, blast that I had on Facebook where Melo was griping about um, him going through a rough patch. Frank, o- Frank saw of New York Daily News reported it, that he's going through a rough patch and trying to figure out a way to get out of this. Now, I said on Facebook that he should just shut up and play ball or ask for a trade. Mm-hmm. That's it. Those are the only two options. Either you play ball or just ask out. And that's it. And what I'm sick and tired of with Melo is his rabbit ears and he him responding to hecklers and trolls online. Just play the game. Just play the damn game. Play play basketball and try to get better. Try to get your teammates better. But he's out here. He's griping. He's listening to everything that's happening on social media. He has an answer for everything. Amari Stoddermire came out. And he spoke on Jeremy Lin's Outbreak as a Star. And Melo took offense saying, well, I know he's not talking about me. And I say, if it don't apply, let it fly. And <laughs> Melo just has a problem with listening to what everyone says, and he has to have an answer for everything. Play, pay attention to the court. Play ball. That's it. He also had a criticism about getting more criticism than most other All-Stars. And so what I have to say about that is when you're the third overall pick in the draft and you were compared to LeBron James, and LeBron James has multiple titles, that's going to happen to you. If Darko Milicek was still in the league, people would be getting on him, but he decided to take his career elsewhere. So, obviously, you're going to get some criticism. C- Kevin Durant is just now getting criticism for his lack of championships, and, you know, he's he's dealing with it in a different way. He's very succinct with the media, doesn't, doesn't talk much. But he knows the criticism is there, and Melo has to understand you've been in the league for 13 years. You've only been to one conference finals. This is going to happen to you. Be quiet. Play ball. Get better. That's
0: it. Absolutely. And again, he pushed for this trade to the Knicks. He wanted to play in the big market. He's in New York. There's pressure. It's just the way it is. This is New York City. This is probably the mecca of basketball, or at least it very well should be. So he he needs to just either accept it and, and... make his teammates better or accept the trade like we said he should have gone to Cleveland or gone to Boston or gone to Minnesota somewhere where there's not going to be any pressure on him but obviously he's not going to do that he's not going to take a trade to a place where he can't win because that's where he is now and and very few teams are going to give up very much for him when you factor in that he has that 15% trade kicker that he can pretty much Pick and choose where he wants to go. So the Knicks are in a really bad situation. They're not going to get nearly what they gave up for him long ago. So it's just a, it's a tough situation, and I wish he would just, like you said, do his thing, go on the court, play play his rear end off, and hopefully stay healthy and long enough for the Knicks to put some pieces around him to be better. And if not, then it's just going to be, how many more years is he up? Last time is he four? Yeah,
1: I mean, think about it. He he's 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 committed to the Knicks. He's saying he's he would waive he would not waive his no trade clause, and he's committed to the cause. But I say if you're committed to the cause and you know this is MSG bright lights, you're gonna you're gonna have to develop a thicker skin. You can't listen to what everyone's saying about you. You gotta pay attention to your game. And last night he's gonna yeah you know, after last night's shot game-winning shot on the line he misses he doesn't even hit the rim against the celtics last night mm-hmm. he's gonna get more criticism and i bet you he went back to his twitter account his instagram account and he looked at what everyone was saying about him because i looked at people were calling him a bum i wouldn't go that far no. i'm just saying that he's a little too reactive to what's going on around him now speaking of the celtics um they won the game yesterday and they don't have any stars they're not in the media they have a coach that keeps their team pretty grounded and I just feel like the Celtics are, are a team that's comparable to the San Antonio Spurs, where they're a Hall of Fame, but they don't have the Hall of Fame talent, but they play hard, they grind, and they don't have a, I guess, standout player in the stat on the stat sheet. Yes, they have Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, but they don't have a player that averages more than twenty one points a game. Kawhi Leonard is at twenty point eight. Lamarcus Aldridge is seventeen point one. Everyone else is below twelve points a game. Twelve points are below. And that's pretty much who the Celtics are. Isaiah Thomas averages 21.7 points per game. Everyone else is at 15 or under. And they're number three in the Eastern Conference. Now think about that. Who had the Celtics as the number three team in the Eastern Conference before this season started with their roster? Their best player is a guy that they got from the Phoenix Suns in a trade at the trade deadline last year, Isaiah Thomas. And they are really putting it together in the East, and they're going to contend in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and I think that has a ton of if not a, most to do with coaching brad stevens is, is a fantastic young coach from butler i mean this guy is coaching these guys up and yes they're, they're talented but they're not they're not all-star potential besides from obviously who was an all-star this year isaiah thomas i mean jared sullinger is a nice piece but he's probably paying he's probably playing so well this year that he's gonna probably not be able to resign with Boston because he's gonna want way too much money evan turner mm-hmm. Uh, was a flame out in 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 Philly he, he now he's kind of living up to you know his draft stock I believe he was also the second or third pick a couple years ago second pick yeah out. so again these guys are some of them are retreads and and Brad Stevens is coaching them up should Isaiah Thomas be playing this well no way but he is because he's being allowed to to run the floor to to coach up to you know coach on the floor he's being able to do his thing that he wasn't allowed to do in his in his past stops such as phoenix so you gotta you gotta give a lot of credit to the front office for for you know and danny age for putting these pieces together it's a it's a nice combination and it's working right now again uh will it will it can I don't know. Will it continue to be yeah. this good from here on? Who knows?
1: I'm telling you, the Celtics are definitely the Spurs of the East. And, like again, they may not have the name-brand people because they don't have the championships, but you better watch out because I see them winning a series and possibly give the number two Toronto Raptors a run for their money to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Now, again, as you said, Brad Stevens is doing a great job. I wouldn't call him Popovic yet, huh. but as the Celtics continue to win games and maybe win playoff series, you may have to visit that discussion all over again after a couple of years of maybe getting maybe one more impact player possibly in the paint
0: absolutely and you know they tried with David Lee didn't didn't go well so you know they they do need you know at least one more piece maybe another perimeter player but hey they're on the come up they're looking like a team you know again that could be around for a while maybe longer than a team like Cleveland that does have some older pieces so if we're going to stay in uh, we're going to stay in the east the indiana pacers who is another team that's kind of lost in translation went out and signed Ty Lawson who was cut finally bought out of his contract from the Houston Rockets. Uh, Ty Lawson actually is, and I can't believe this, is getting paid $12.4 million for this season. And and luckily for Indiana, they only have to pay him $225. So is this just another example of the non parity that exists in the NBA, or is this a, is this a deal that actually makes sense for, for Indiana?
1: It actually makes sense for Indiana because they need a backup point guard behind George Hill. For Ty Lawson, I don't know if it makes sense because wherever, I feel like wherever Ty Lawson goes, he needs someone that's going to be close to him and just help him with his alcohol problem because he's, ha- I think he has four DUIs on his record. Jeez. And he's been suspended twice this year for DUIs when he was in Denver. So that's an issue that I would worry about more than his play on the court. Is how is his mental? What is his mindset? Sure. I mean, this is a guy in the last couple of seasons, he was probably one of the best passing point guards in the NBA. He was tied for second in 2013-2014 season with 8.8 assists per game. Last season, he was third with 9.6 assists per game. And now he's just an afterthought. And I feel like he has the talent, but he just needs to get his mind right. And if you ever watch the Bronx tale, wasted talent is probably the worst thing ever because you have a guy that can do so much on the court and his mentality is just taking him off base. And I don't know if Indiana is going to be able to fix that, whatever or whatever support system he has out there. I don't know if they'll be able to fix that, but I believe he could still be serviceable in the right spot if he has the right people up behind his shoulder telling him, okay, you need to straighten up your life, maybe get into a program, get yourself straight, maybe put down the alcohol completely, and play basketball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's the most important thing. And, it, and I'm glad he didn't go to a spot like the Knicks where he was going to have... Yeah. More pressure and you know no. be thrust into the starting lineup because that just this wouldn't do him any good. Hey about it. You know, Forty Second Street, Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, you know, it.
1: for Ty Lawson who has you know possibly a drinking problem, that's not a good mix.
0: Yeah, no, there's a, there's too many too many uh, distractions and, and you know possibilities that could go wrong. So again, Indiana, nice you know quieter place than you know than let's say South Beach or somebody else that was interested in and like the Miami Heat. Uh, you know, we wish Ty all the best and especially coming from North Carolina, you know, good college. Uh, Obviously, great college program. He had great coaching his entire career. So hopefully, Frank Volo and, and Larry Bird can kind of you know do their thing and you know instill some wisdom in a, in a young guy who still has you know the potential label. And right. now we go to my man, Michael Beasley, who, if you remember Michael Beasley, I believe he was also the number two pick in the NBA draft, like, 32. Was he? Yeah. Was he really? I, yeah, he heat, the heat took him. I, <laughs> I believe he was number two. I mean, I know it was like Pat seven. Riley was forced to take this guy number two in the draft. It didn't work out. Pat Riley loved this guy because of his offensive game, and he's never been, you know, he's never been a defensive guy, especially that one year at Kansas State, and he blew up in China this year, 31.9 points a game, played 36 minutes. Shot 37% from the three Obviously he was playing in China Weak competition But he comes back And he signs with a team That doesn't believe In any kind of defensive ability The Houston Rockets
1: <laughs> The Houston Rockets I don't know what they're doing here I, I don't get it These The Houston Rockets Have been shifting around players for the last three, four years, and I just can't understand it. They've had, they've had. Think about this: they've had Kyle Lowry and Goran Dragic on the same roster mm-hmm. in 2011, 2012, and they let both go. Now, of course, both of them went on to have decent careers where they go. Kyle Lowry a little bit better in Toronto. Goran Dragic kind of an after, not an afterthought, but just a decent play with Miami behind Wade and Bosh, but. The Houston Rockets just don't have any direction. They're picking yeah. up and dropping players as they go. They're they're winging it. They let go of their coach, Kevin McHale, who I think was the reason they got to the Western Conference uh, Finals last year. Yeah, and, absolutely. And... Now they're moving on, and I say, okay, we let go of Lawson, we bring in Beasley, and what is Beasley exactly going to do for this team? I mean, I understand the Rockets are in the A spot, but is he really going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things? I I highly doubt that.
0: Yeah, remember, remember last week when I said the, the one team that I probably wouldn't want to play for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I,
1: but does Beasley have a choice? I mean, he's probably looking for another opportunity to show he's got an NBA because he's had multiple choices. He's had multiple chances to do that. And he just hasn't come through. So now he goes to a dysfunctional Houston Rockets team with holes in the roster. Maybe he can he can muster up, you know, some you know, some some something for his future in the NBA. And it's not a definite, but hey, the Rockets are probably a garbage flame right now. But he could probably muster up maybe a double-double or something because Houston Rockets are going up in flames anyway, even though they're in the playoff spot. I think ultimately they lose their spot to the Utah Jazz, who has better, I think, better all-around talent and
0: coaching. Yeah, definitely a, a you know good move for for Michael Beasley, not a good move for for Houston. Sticking with Houston. Dwight Howard's back in the news because let's face it, Dwight Howard doesn't really do much on the court, so he might as well make some waves. He recently told uh, the play-by-play announcer of the Milwaukee Bucks of all people, Gus Johnson, that he likes Milwaukee and wanted to be traded to Milwaukee at the deadline obviously he wasn't and there are reports come out that he wasn't traded because dwight who seems to be the man that wants to i don't know, end his own career would refuse to opt in for next season if you remember a couple of years ago this was the same exact situation that he had with the orlando magic now we all know howard is going to turn down his option worth an astounding 23 million dollars next year in pursuit of a max deal which would be about 30 million dollars now is dwight actually gonna get that money and why would he go to Milwaukee
1: thing is I don't see him getting number one I don't see him getting that money <laughs> number two I don't see it good for him in Milwaukee I mean Greg Monroe just got their three year 50 plus million dollar deal yeah Jabari Parker who was, who was their crown jewel he plays the four so my thing is, who is who is Dwight Howard gonna start over? I mean Giannis plays the three, and he's near he's damn near six seven feet tall. So you gonna have three seven footers on the court at the same time with Monroe Howard and Giannis? I don't think so. No. Now he as you and as I mentioned before, Greg Monroe is getting sixteen to seventeen million per year. Now, I don't see the Bucs paying max money for Dwight Howard. Wherever he goes, I don't think he's going to get max money. He'll be a piece. He'll be a, a defensive piece. And it's sad because Dwight Howard is one of the better defenders in the league inside. Now, the, this league is now a guard wing league. So Dwight Howard's value drops a little bit. But, I mean, we'll see what happens, what the market for him is. Considering his attitude and what he's been through, people don't take him seriously. I don't see him getting that max deal in the offseason.
0: No, definitely not. And I, I, there's a there's a very small number of teams that really Dwight can can go to. I mean, he's kind of he's alienated himself from a lot of the league. And, you know, if he wanted to, you know, this is me speculating, of course, if he wanted to kind of make all that's right and come full circle, the one place they could actually use him would be would be the Orlando Magic. Now, we know he burned... Oh, every, yeah, he Burned every bridge there possibly was, but to come home to hey. how much money do you really need? And the Magic need a defensive center. It'd be a great option. He,
1: it, he he's gonna go back to the Orlando Magic where serious Scott Skiles coaches. I don't see that next that combination will just blow up immediately.
0: Well, I don't see I don't see Scott Skiles coming back next year to be honest with you.
1: Also, oh, you have Scott Skiles out.
0: Well, you know what? It's either him or the GM at this point because they lost. They've lost how many games? Uh, four four out of the last six games I believe they lost after that you know they were talking oh we made these trades we got Brandon Jennings we got Elisova. it's just not working uh you know there's there's a disconnect between the front office and and the court uh the coach is not really I don't know he's just not using the players that he's being given and so somebody's gonna have to go um maybe both I don't know but this is a team that has a lot of talent on paper and it's not translating to wins and this whole rebuild this whole bringing in rob hennigan to make a uh you know the um the thunder of the east it's just it hasn't it hasn't worked so well, how much longer are we gonna wait
1: uh probably not much longer exactly. but, uh, sticking with underachieving <laughs> players and teams danilo Gallinari. Tore two ligaments in his right ankle. Now, I look at Danilo Gallinari as a good scorer, but just not a complete player. If you remember, he was on the Knicks, and that's basically what he was before he was traded to Denver in that Mellow trade, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel like they should just shut him down. They're considering that option with the team probably not making the playoffs. So I don't know if you agree with that, but he is the leading scorer on that team with 19.5 points per game. So he's a big part of what they do but it's just not taking them really anywhere
0: significant. Yeah, the roost, the rooster, uh, he's 27. Um you know, I love him. He's an Italian you know um, i forgot that yeah Yeah, absolutely your people he is i mean he's what the sixth overall draft pick uh but it's just yeah again the guy's playing on you know half a leg at this point uh denver is not going anywhere so you might as well uh you know might as well sit him and hope you can get a solid lottery pick and you know again we'll hope for next year there's just so many teams that are in the same boat. And uh, these young guys, it's, they're just not panning out for one concern or the other. Either injuries or there's just too much pressure and they can't kind of live up to it. It's just it's kind of sad that every year the same teams are saying, we'll wait for the lottery. it, it just how many, how many lottery picks and how many guys with potential can you saddle yourself until, like the Magic, we finally say, well, now what? You, do you blow up the team completely and try to do uh, Philadelphia 76ers? Because that ain't working either.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. And, you know, trust in the process. Um, I believe Denver is a lot further ahead than the seventy sixes when it comes to, you know, making something of themselves. I mean, they have some parts. Emmanuel Moutier will be a good point guard in this league. Not great, but I think he'll be pretty good uh glenn harris has actually stepped up as a two guard and kenneth farid is still there so i believe even without gallinari they have some talent but they have to figure out what they're going to do to get over the hump and they're going to have to try to draft someone because i don't see any free agents marking denver as their top destination to go in the offseason
0: yeah even a guy like will barton who you know kind of set the world ablaze in the beginning of the uh, year has definitely come back down to earth
1: sorry Matt. uh didn't mean to mess up his name, but that's Gary Harris, by the way.
0: Oh, Gary Harris. That, your bro, that was his brother you were talking about, right? Right. Ah, very nice. Cousin,
1: distant cousin brother. <laughs> you know,
0: that goes. Gary Glenn. I mean, these G names. Glenn Gary, names, Glenn like Ross. Absolutely. Same same, different thing. Spe-
1: speaking of injured players, uh, the Houston Texans in the NFL actually released Arian Foster to save $6.6 6 in the offseason. Now, I don't know where Arian Foster is going to go but he's probably going to be one of those players that he gets, you know, a few carries a game, maybe I would say 10 carries a game, a couple of receptions. But uh, Texans owner Bob McNair said something interesting during this season, and I, and I quote, I recognize how vulnerable he is. I can't say that I'm, I'm surprised. It seems like every year he's had some type of soft tissue injury. We just keep our fingers crossed and hope it won't happen, but he seems to be vulnerable to that type of thing. Now, when I read that, to me, that damage is Foster. I mean, your your ex your ex owner is basically saying you're fragile. So any team that picks him up is going to say we're not going to pay him big dollars. We know he can be effective when healthy, but the guy has missed twenty three of the last forty eight games in the last three seasons. That's almost half of his games. So you have to look at it as, as he's going to have limited suitors, but those suitors aren't going to want to pay a lot of money either.
0: Yeah, and you got to remember, Arian Farser was an undrafted free agent out of the University of Tennessee. You got a lot out of this guy and for Bob McNair to kind of say that, it you know, it's kind of a, a low blow because th- you rode this guy to to the playoffs. <laughs> Gary Kubiak handed the ball off to this guy at at an enormous clip. He was 25 28 rushes a game, 6 to 7 catches out of the backfield. I mean, your quarterback was Matt Schwab and you were still you were still a legitimate team in the afc uh what is that division the south i believe i can't even, yeah so you know what just bob stay up in your royal throne and you know leave the coach <laughs> to you know the you, people that know what they're doing
1: you you know the nfl is, what have you done for me lately i mean they use them up and now they dump it yeah
0: it's, them. and it's really a shame and i you know i i hope and i think that this guy can still carry the ball 15 times a game if he's in the right situation you know is he a lead back time will tell uh but again he was looking real good last year if you watch hard knocks before he got you know before those injuries kind of started and i would definitely give him you know a small base salary we're talking maybe two million dollars maybe and incentives and i think that has to be more of a precedent on on giving players incentives hey you you get us to the playoffs you get money you you score 20 touchdowns you get money like give him a seven million dollar option with incentives because then these guys have something to play for obviously he wants to prove his doubters wrong so lay it all on the field my man you've got the name if you want to show people i'm not washed up do it
1: hey i mean all power to him but i feel like if he if he signs with a team and they expect him to be a lead back, they're in for a rude awakening because I mean Bob what Bob McNair said was was kinda detriment to to his value, but you gotta look at you gotta look at the numbers and, and the numbers say that he can't be relied on over the course of a long season after being worn out. Yeah, by, way, by his former team. Sure. So he's been used up. That tank is almost empty.
0: Yeah, and if Houston's going to go with Alfred Blue as their lead back, they're in for a rude awakening too because that ain't going to work because Alfred Blue will run for 121 game and 12 for the next. So, you know, Houston, you cut my man, Arian worry about your own home okay arian will be fine even if he, you know even if he's in a, a, a different type of situation which obviously he will be but again this guy did a lot for you so it's it's just it's a shame to kick him in the butt on the way out the door but again like you said it's the nfl it's the no fun league and moving on to another guy with no fun mr tom brady obviously he's back on the news this whole deflate gate thing could be turning its ugly head once again but in the meantime tom and the patriots have reached an agreement on a two-year contract extension that's going to keep the quarterback under team control through the 2019 season this guy's gonna be 39 in august okay 39 uh we just saw what a four year old peyton manning did obviously tom is in a little bit better help than uh than mr manning but two more years on his deal is gonna bring him to 42 by then jimmy garoppolo's he's gone right you gotta you gotta trade him you gotta get something for him
1: i mean i think uh- I mean, the Patriots probably use Garoppolo as a trade piece if Brady plays well in the next couple of years. But, I mean, is there any sign of him wearing down? I mean, the guy, 13 of his last 15 seasons, at least 10 wins. I mean, I know he had that major injury where he got uh nicked by, I believe, Bernard Pollard in the game, in the first game, and he missed the whole season. The Patriots still did well, by the way. Oh, yeah. But... Since then, he's he's been on fire. He hasn't showed any wear and tear. I mean, yes, he is turning 39 in August, but the guy is in great shape. He doesn't eat sugar, no white flour, or anything that causes inflammation. So it it's a testament to his dedication to the game. And he obviously wants to play until he's passed for it, and I think he can do it, especially with the weapons he's going to have. He's going to have Gronkowski. He's still going to have Julian Edelman. As long as Bill Belichick stays there, I think the Patriots are contenders. So you have to look at what's going to be around him. And I think the older he gets, the more important it is for the Patriots to have parts around to, to maintain. You know, he's not the same all the time Ready 27 years old, he can kind of do it on his own. But with help, he could still be really effective. And we saw that. And we have to protect him, obviously. That offensive line is probably going to get some tweaks in the offseason to make sure Brady doesn't get hurt and his jersey stays clean. And if that happens, I believe he'll make it throughout his contract. Hey, we might even see another extension. He might stay till he's 44. Who knows?
0: That's, that's a really old NFL quarterback. Hey, but it is possible. He's been great. He had a great year. Uh, but I think if more teams can play the way the Denver Bronco defense did in that AFC championship game, you, you may not see him till he's 44 because they put a hurtin' on him. And yes, he kind of did figure it out by the fourth quarter, but that's the way you got to play Tom Brady. You've got to bring constant pressure. You've got to blitz from, from every angle. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll start showing his age eventually. It's hard to say because the guy's been so good for so, so long
1: now the first thing that happened after the Patriots lost is the is they fired the offensive line coach I believe and they had a new one so that tells you how much they value Brady and what he does for the team they they want to make sure he stays protected he is the crown jewel he is the driving force on that team and I feel like they're going to do whatever they can to make sure he's he's upright in the pocket and he'll be fine
0: yeah no it's smart and again they drafted you know Garoppolo with a high draft pick it was a good it was a good pick at the time and again you'll trade him for something you're not going to get that second round pick back you know mm-hmm. but but again if, if tom and anything does happen garoppolo can step in you and you may not lose you know you may not lose much of a beat but again time will tell you know good for tom you know, bad for everybody else that continues to play him
1: onto a team that that's not really happy with a player and trying to give him the boot or actually put him on the trade block the bears are actually offering a martellus bennett he could either be released or traded by the new nfl calendar turn now he had he kind of wore out his his welcome before the thanksgiving game against the packers where he was deemed inactive players and coaches are frustrated with him and his outspokenness now do you think he winds up on the Giants a team that is the nemesis of the Patriots and the Giants also they have some they have some question marks at tight end Larry Donnell got a tender but he had a serious neck injury but they're optimistic he could play will Ty... Forty two receptions, four hundred sixty four yards, and three touchdowns. But do you think they can use another really good tight end weapon on the outside?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you could. Uh, when Martellus Bennett was there a couple years ago, him and Eli Manning were were inseparable. I mean, that was a great connection. And and you you do see more and more two tight end sets. I mean, it's just it's a great way to go. And yes, let's thank the New England Patriots for that. So I think Martellus coming back to Big Blue would be would be a great option. But I don't understand how these NFL teams and reports get out that oh, we're going to trade you, but if nobody wants you, we're going to cut you. So why would anybody trade for this guy to give up even a seventh-round pick and pay that salary that he's already set when, hey, go ahead and cut him on Tuesday and we'll sign him for the league minimum?
1: Exactly my point. I looked at the tweet that uh, Brad Briggs uh, sent out from the Chicago Tribune about it, and someone immediately said, well, why would someone trade for him if they're going to just release him anyway? Yeah. I, I feel like teams are very sloppy with what their plans are with, you know, if this player is to get traded, we're just going to release him. Okay, well, I won't give up anything. I'll just wait till he clears waivers, and I'll pick him up.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's the same thing with Peyton Manning. Nobody's going to trade for the guy, even if he was still at the height of his game, because he's supposed to get a $23 million bonus on Tuesday. So, I just, I don't understand how the, how the, the you know, the media gets a hold of this information, or either Kendrick McGuire, which is the agent for the for Martellus Bennett, is calling everybody he knows at the Chicago Tribune and saying, hey, this is what's going down. I mean, that that's another distinct possibility. But either way, it's just, it's just kind of bad business because Bennett's not going to get, you know, he's not going to really get the money that he was, that he's supposed to get from the Bears, especially when they got a guy like Zach Miller, who had a really nice year last year. Again, kind of came out of the blue. So there's no way that Bennett's going to be coming back at, at, the, at the money he was making previously.
1: I mean, uh, as far as the Bears' And they're they're probably in a restructure period. They let go of their their you know their guy at OC. He's now the coach of the Miami Dolphins, Adam Gates, and now they're losing a weapon on the outside. Jay Cutler, we don't know if he's gonna turn back into a pumpkin that he was before Adam Gates came there. So we'll see how that shakes out for them. Um Alshon Jeffrey figures to be there, you know, Matt Forte is gone. So we'll see what that Bears team looks like. It's gonna be a very different roster next year. It's gonna be
0: ugly like uh, just uh, you got we're gonna have one guy to throw the ball to in alshon who couldn't stay healthy this year you gotta hope jeremy langford can play somewhat like he did this year there's just way too many questions jay cutler the the ultimate question mark defense shaky at best they're uh, they're gonna be worse than the lions
1: Hey, I mean, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I feel like the Chicago Bears will probably be at the pit of the division if not for the Detroit Lions. Neither team is going nowhere fast in 2016. But on to someone who is going somewhere or is trying to go somewhere, Eric Golson actually chose to participate in Notre Dame's Pro Day over Florida State. Now, you may seem to have a, a tiff with His reasoning or his decision or the option, actually, to just choose Notre Dame over Florida State, despite him playing at Florida State in his last season after being after transferring from from Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like he's he's obviously chose a better place to show off his arm with Will Fuller being a possible second round pick, because who would he throw to at Florida State? I mean, let's be honest.
0: Uh, Peter Wark. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, Peter Warwick and uh, that comparison is is not going anywhere. So and is is not even projected to be drafted. He's he's you know he's projected to go undrafted. So what he's doing is basically showing his best before he goes undrafted.
0: Yes, I and that's fine, but how? How is he even allowed to go back to Notre Dame? a uh, university he left after he had academic fraud. How do you allow this guy to come back, and how is he, by NCAA standards, allowed to go back to a to school that he left and participate in their pro day? Isn't there something that is basically put on by the university?
1: Well, actually, I, I have no idea about that. But, obviously, he, he knew something that I didn't know. <laughs> I guess. And the fact that he's allowed to go back and, and take advantage of that and throw it to Will Fuller is, is kudos to him. But, again, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter because no one is going to draft him.
0: No, no, it's a, it's a it's just a kind of weird situation. He was 8-1 with Florida State. Then he got replaced by Sean McGuire. Then he decided that he was going to leave the team before their bowl, uh, their bowl game this year. So it's just, it's just not a good look on Golson. And, you know, again, why would anybody even draft him if he was a legit player he's He's obviously got some issues that he needs to work through. So, um, yeah, this is kind of a last-ditch effort. But you know, more luck, You know, best of luck to you there, Everett.
1: Well, on to some baseball because we know Mike likes some baseball. Yes, sir. Uh, lefty Brett Anderson is set for surgery on a bulging disc in his back. Uh, he experienced a bit of a rebirth last season with the Dodgers. He had 116 strikeouts, 3.69 ERA, but he'll be out three to five months. Now, do you see this as a big problem for the Dodgers? Is it a big problem or like a small, little, minute? Set back
0: the Dodgers were screwed when they lost Zach Grinky. um Brett Anderson this is Brett Anderson this is the same guy that was with the Colorado Rockies that was supposed to be the next Com Glavin and couldn't stay healthy so this is not a surprise to anyone the biggest surprise is that um and not really a surprise to him because he took the fifteen point eight million dollar qualifying offer. And before this year, nobody in Major League history took a qualifying offer. And I believe, if my if I'm correct, it was three players that actually took the qualifying offer because there was no way that Brett Anderson was going to get a fifteen point eight million dollar offer for one year because he couldn't stay healthy. And last year, he actually did. So um, good for Brett but I don't really see it affecting the Dodgers because they picked up Scott Casimir. Um, We already heard that Hunjin Ryu, the Korean left-hander who was really good uh, two years ago, He's actually going to be out until May now They think because he's still recovering from uh, Shoulder surgery Brandon McCarthy Who was with the Yankees two years ago and missed All of last year with Tommy John He's a ways off we're talking probably all star Break yes they did go out and sign Kenta Maeda this guy's got a lot of potential He throws four solid pitchers, uh, pitches They picked up Frankie Montez in a trade For the Chicago White, White Sox So after Clayton Kershaw who's Still the best pitcher in baseball In my opinion there's uh, one Question mark after the other and if Scott casimir is going to be your number two you're you're in for a long season
1: now he he's projected to be the number two he struggled a bit against the rangers and he said it was nerves and and an inconsistent fastball now are you buying or selling that and he if he is going to be the number two is this a really bad sign for for their rotation
0: yeah it's a really bad sign for their rotation because when he was traded to houston last year he would he looked like the guy who was out of baseball uh three years ago uh he came back with uh with the oakland athletics uh, a couple years ago and he he picked up right where he left off when he was with the tampa bay rays this and again if you know casimir this was a guy that was a a huge prospect back in the new york mets organization uh he he was really really good for a long time and he's a he's a decent pitcher he's not going to win you more than you know 11 12 games but there's no way that you could really go into a season uh if you're the dodgers with him being your number two not when your bullpen has is shaky at best You've got an outfield with one one after the other is, is kind of the, is very similar to each other, has major question marks when it comes to Yasiel Puig. What is he going to do? Jock Peterson, is he going to continue to strike out at the clip he did last year? So this team is just in in a, in a world of trouble, and they're lucky that they're in a, you know, a less than stellar NL West division. So uh, yeah, not, not a good do they, sign.
1: Do they make a move to, to kind of fix up the rotation? Do you think they bring in someone, call up someone? What What is the solution for, for an injured a player that's going to be out three to five months in a shaky start who's dealing with nerds in, in spring league
0: yeah i mean for all intents and purposes brett's gonna be done for the year you've got mike bolsinger who pitched you know i think he had 20 starts last year he's a nice piece he's he really belongs in the in the bullpen as a long relief guy now there is jose de leon uh who's a minor leaguer he believe he's top 20 uh, prospect list, and you've got the crown jewel of the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, uh, 19-year-old Julio Urias, uh, who's been compared to Fal- uh, Fernando Valenzuela by many people. Uh, this guy is the real deal. He's small, uh, but he's he's got five pitches. He's got uh, an above-average fastball, a fantastic breaking ball the biggest thing with him being that he's 19 he actually has a degenerative left eye issue where he if you've ever oh. seen photos of him he basically his left eye is closed so when, when again that's that's going to be uh, you know it's going to be an issue uh, again he's had multiple surgeries over the year to to repair this and it still hasn't kind of come to fruition but he has he has a, a fantastic electric arm but again he's 19 so the dodgers don't want to throw him out there and you know say hey julio you got to be our number two it's a lot of pressure for a guy so so they're hoping that they can kind of get by on what they have, which is a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of injury concern on that team before you've even started the year. And again, it's just so much pressure on clinton Kershaw. Who, again, he's like the Steph Curry of the NBA. How many times can this guy have? fantastic year after fantastic year striking out 200 batters winning 20 games a season eventually it might come to an end especially with a power pitcher uh who throws that many innings per year but again it's only time will tell but it's just a, it's just a rough way to start the season and we're you know we're, we're still you know three and a half weeks away from opening day
1: basically he just said "Dodgers fans don't expect the postseason in october it's, but we won't we won't dig yeah. into that
0: it's gonna to be tough, and and it's it's such a low blow that Zach Greinke signed with the division rival Arizona Diamondbacks, who are right. definitely on the come up. I mean, forget San Francisco; that they're probably gonna win this division hands down, especially with all the people that they acquired, uh, over over the the winter break. But yeah, I can I can see, unfortunately, and I just left LA. I can see Dodger Blue finishing in third. You know, uh, you're just lucky that the San Diego Padres are in the division.
1: You heard it here first. That's third place for the Dodgers, (laughs) people. I'm going to get get some hate
0: mail from my family in L.A. Thank you very much. (laughs) This is
1: what he said on open mic, but uh, we appreciate it, and we'll be be up next with Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. Spent his entire career in a shortstop with the Washington Nationals and has reportedly signed a one year deal with the Texas Rangers where he will play left field. The Rangers had to give up a first round pick to acquire him. And the actual, the, his former team, the Nationals, offered him a, a seven year, $107 million extension, but he turned it down and bet on himself, going for 125 to $130 million mark. Now, is he a zero or a hero for betting on himself, basically, and risking some pay money for more money?
0: Uh, I mean how it's how Can you Mo? would you turn down a hundred and seven million dollar contract extension? I,
1: I'm not even making a million, so I'll take anything a
0: baseball team is willing to give. You yeah. Right so Ian, uh Ian was at the you know, 2013 was at the, the height of his uh you know all around performance. His defensive struggles weren't very prevalent. He was he was still slugging twenty to twenty five home runs. So I you gotta say that he's a zero because who in their right mind would turn down a hundred and seven million dollars to, to play a game. Um, especially when you're talking, oh, I won I wanted to make a hundred and twenty. Five. How much more money do we need, people? Do we really need eighteen more million dollars? I mean, let's. I mean, he, create... he
1: may want an extra house. Maybe yeah. another car. At... You know, you never know.
0: Absolutely. So he's a, he's a zero in that estimation. But I'll actually say that he's a hero for even getting what he got this year, which was seven million dollars to play a position he's never played before. Uh, yes, he's athletic. Okay. Yes, he still I believe hit sixteen home runs last year. Uh, batted about two twenty. Struck out you know close to two hundred times. That's not very good. But for him to even get the money that he got uh, you've got to you got to say okay. Well, the man, you know, still pulled, you know, still pulled some decent money after he sat on the market all winter long. Now, if he has, uh, if he has a year like he like he could, if he proves that he can play left field, if he hits twenty five home runs, there's going to be less pressure in left field. Uh, for those of us who play baseball or watch baseball, we know that the outfield, you know, can be a little bit of a snooze fest, but it can be a lot of fun too. It can be a lot of action, but you're not in the game constantly, constantly like you would be at shortstop. You're not worried about turning the double play, covering second base. Um, on steel so there's a lot less that's going to go on where he can focus more on his offensive game so if he can have the type of year that you know i'm sure he's betting on there's a very strong chance that he can prove himself as a legitimate left fielder no he's not going to get a 107 million dollar offer because he's now 30 years old no one's going to pay him till he's 37 give or take so maybe he can make half of that so it's kind of a zero move in the long term but you know we hope for his sake that you know at least he can make some of that money back
1: now, his career averages, he's averaging about 20 home runs and 75 RBIs in 162 games. Now, do you think he's going to have to step his game up a little as a left fielder as opposed to if he was playing shortstop?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. You know, those those are great numbers for, for a shortstop because, you know, we don't see many shortstops that hit that way. You know, Troy Tulowitzki, him when he was at short, there's a, there's a very minute uh, amount of people that can do that. Left field is a power spot. I mean, you expect your left fielder to hit, yes, those home runs, but drive in 90, you know, 85, 90, 100 runs because that that is a power spot. So, again he needs to do it uh i think this texas deal is a one-year deal at the most because they have joey gallo who came up last year who was a ginormous man who can hit the ball 500 feet but also can strike out 500 times so this uh ian's gonna keep that position warm for a little while until gallo who was really a third baseman by trade uh learned to play left field so it's a good move for texas in the one year like you said they did give up that first round pick but certain teams value uh first round picks more than others especially texas who had a good year last year i think the pick was in the '20s, as it was, so um, yeah, he's gonna have to step up his game. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because there was a lot of uh, discussion of where he was gonna go. There's a couple teams that were actually talking about possibly putting him at short, like the White Sox, the Padres, the Rays. But at the end of the day, no one felt comfortable enough to give him seven million dollars, give or take, to play a position where he just. Oh, man, he just couldn't couldn't field last year. I mean, he his and I think a lot of his trouble was his throwing arm. So it'll be interesting to see how he uh, affects how it affects him in left field, how he hits that cutoff man, how he throws out potential runners at the plate. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But if anybody knows the Texas Rangers, that's uh, an offense. It's an offensive squad. Okay,
1: going going off the field with baseball, Aronla Chapman will serve a thirty game suspension stemming from an investigation on domestic violence. Violence allegations. Now he accepted the suspension despite no criminal conviction. Now, do you think there's something behind this? Is a hero a zero for immediately accepting suspension or a zero for not fighting it or actually, you know, looking at it as maybe I didn't do anything criminally wrong? And he give he, away with maybe a reduction or some sort.
0: Yeah, this is a tough one because obviously we've seen what's gone in the on in the NFL and uh, you know anybody involved in domestic violence. These this organization and and the league itself is taking swift action. And this is actually the first ruling ever by Major League Baseball. And for for me, it's I don't know. I just again innocent until proven guilty. Uh, Chapman was not was not brought to court there was no charges brought to this man so i think it's something deeper i think the fact of the rumor was is that he was supposed he was going to get a 40 game suspension and if if you're familiar with uh the way his contract stated when he was traded to the yankees if he was suspended for 40 games he loses service time so if he were to lose 40 games of service time he would no longer be a free agent next year and that's a whole lot of money because he is probably the top three or four closers in the entire game so he's only going to lose 1.8 million dollars uh this year potentially he could uh, he could lose upwards of 15 to 16 million dollars next year if he was not able to go on the free agent market so from everything that i heard manfred the commissioner of baseball wanted that 40 game suspension but was willing to talk to the representatives for chapman and go with a 30 game that way it's kind of like hey we got our point across don't mess around do not have guns that are illegally registered don't don't get even involved in situations where you're going to be potentially brought to court on charges of domestic violence. We're going to give you these 30 games. You won't lose your your free agent year and everybody's quiet about it. And that's why I believe that Chapman took this deal because in the long run, somebody got in his ear and said, look, regardless of what happened, you take the 30 games. You potentially lose maybe 10 save opportunities. You come back in May, uh, you know, the end of May. The Yankees will, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Andrew Miller will fill in. You'll be slotted back in the ninth inning rule, and we'll move on. I don't really think it sets a, a great precedent for for moving forward as Major League Baseball does. They think this is going to kind of be like a water a watermark where we're going to say, "Hey, don't do anything." Well, Jose Reyes is in uh, even a worse situation with the Colorado Rockies. He allegedly struck his wife while on uh, Hawaiian vacation, and there's there's a, a lot of evidence that is actually going into that case, and he will be headed to trial on opening day. Uh, he's actually even had to take uh, an indefinite paid leave from the team while this gets resolved so if chapman got 40 games jose reyes could be looking at an entire season which is going to be a big
1: blow uh kudos to manfred for for putting that out there and and being tough on domestic violence because as as you said before the nfl and and had an issue with it and they're trying to clean up their image and you know goodell he, he's had some suspensions reduced, and I believe baseball has just taken a hard line to say, okay, we're, we're not going to even deal with this nonsense, especially in this social media era. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, it spreads like wildfire. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, let's hope we don't have to talk about much more, you know, domestic violence in sports. Unfortunately, it just seems to be something that we, everybody gets caught up in, and, and these players don't know how to, how to, unfortunately, to differentiate from you know what's right and what's wrong. It's
1: basically world problems leaking into the sports league, yeah. leaks. You know, because these players are part of our society. So, whatever happens to society, you're going to see in sports too, it just gets blown up because these are well paid athletes with so much on the line.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's very, very true. And, you know, these guys are setting examples for younger people. And, and, you know, you've got it. you're getting paid that much money to play a game. You're a role model. You're supposed to be a role model, at least, even if you're like, yeah, even if you're like Charles Barkley and you're saying, I'm not a role model, well, you are by default. So, you have to be better. You know, you have to be, you have to, you have to set an example. Otherwise, you know, don't. Don't play the game. Just be a regular Joe.
1: Speaking of role models, I don't know if you remember, but last episode, I said, hey, Joe Johnson, if he accepts his bio and goes to a team, he should go somewhere where he's going to get some buckets. And what did he do? Went <laughs> somewhere where he can get some buckets, because he went to the Miami Heat. Uh... Now, Adrian Wojnowski from The Vertical said that he, he valued playing time and money. He was the second highest player behind Kobe Bryant. So I mean, how would you? Why would you want to go from being high-paid player to a low-paid player? So kudos to Joe Johnson for going to Miami and making a good choice. I still think he should have went to OKC. But do you think he's a hero or a zero for his move in signing with Pat Riley
0: and the Heat? I mean, I know you love Pat Riley, and I know you, you know, you gotta love Pat Riley.
1: He took the Knicks to the promised Yeah, and he, no, anything he, that... he but you know, he took
0: him close. Yeah, well, it's you can look at this two ways. Joe thinks he's a hero because he thinks he's setting himself up for another payday next year. He's thirty four years old. Okay, he's averaging yeah twelve and a half points a game. Um, uh, great. I mean, that's uh, that's not that's not gonna do anything. I mean, what what is what kind of money is he gonna get next year? I mean, this guy's already made his money. So I'm, I I him I'm calling him a zero because he went to Miami. And Miami will probably get out of the first round And that's about it uh, You know, again, like you said, the Thunder, the Cavs I mean, you gotta, you gotta get to a point in your career Where, you're, where you're, what is more important And if it's the money, fine You Just come out and say it's the money But don't tell me you went to Miami to win a title Because that's just, it's ludicrous It's just not gonna happen
1: Hey, he trusted Pat Riley like the Knicks fans did, you know, two decades ago. So I I could see, you know, Pat Riley kind of, you know, smooching him in and saying, Hey, we, we have a chance. This is what I'm gonna do next next year. This is what I'm gonna do the season after. If you stay here, then you have a chance. I mean, who knows? Maybe Kevin Durant goes to the Heat. Stop it. With Bosch having Stop his
0: issues. Stop it. Kevin Durant is not going to the Heat. How, where, would Why get, not? where would they get where would they get that money from unless unless Bosch has to retire? That's the only way.
1: Unfortunately, he might have to
0: yeah and you know I hope I hope, obviously we all hope that that isn't the case, but I just Joe Johnson I mean, what he's, he's he's their second best scorer right now that just he, he can't be.
1: I mean think about I mean he I know you say he should just come out and say he values the money, but he basically said it with his actions.
0: Yeah, well I would have respected him more if he would have just said, I'm taking the dollars and I'm going to Miami I'm gonna like I'm gonna hang out at the Clevelander with Dan Levitard. Like, I mean, is that what you is that what you wanna do? Because old man swag, and we got a lot of Twitter burn for that by the way. Oh yeah. um, and you know what? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You took your money, you're doing your thing. Yeah, I mean I just I just I, I have a hard time accepting it that that was that was the best option because he's still getting paid this year from you know from two teams now and obviously it's just uh, i don't know it's just hard to hard to stomach a little bit i just want i just want more i want more for these players but that's just and basically
1: me. he again basically he went along with what i said don't want to share the ball with lebron and kevin love and jr smith and Kyrie Irving i want some shine give me some buckets and some money and i'm happy
0: so basically he's you and you are him Basically, if I had the skills and I was
1: a foot taller, I'd beat Joe Johnson. That's hey, you
0: know what? That's mad respect. I don't know if you saw today, but actually, uh, Austin Rivers was talking a little bit of smack. He was on uh, Fox Radio and he was saying that uh, he thinks, and it's I mean maybe it's true. He was saying that uh, the Clippers without Griffin are uh, they're moving the ball better, and that when when Blake comes back, he's gonna have to kind of fit himself into that role. So I mean, that's it's kind of it's true to a certain extent, but he is still your best player. At least you said so. So it'll be interesting to see the dichotomy that goes on there, and you know, again, this is Austin Rivers, not 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 his father saying this.
1: Now I was gonna say, who is Austin Rivers to speak <laughs> on Blake Griffin? Like, he, isn't he like not even? He's even, like the seventh man because Crawford is a real six man on that team. Like well, this guy's talking about Blake
0: Griffin. Yeah. Well, the sad part is is that this guy's actually like the backup point guard now because they don't really have one so it's um yeah i don't know again it's like you're, you're biting the hand to feed you like i know your dad's the coach and you'll probably you know you'll, you'll be there until your dad's gone but right i mean you're, just, he's you're
1: just, right that, see sometimes, sometimes you can be right but that doesn't mean you have to say it
0: yeah I mean, yeah I mean, absolutely it's like are you trying to motivate blake like he doesn't need any more motivation like he's already knows he has to get back there and he has to prove himself because they're playing pretty well without him so again it's just like dude like come on you're the coach's son you got to be better than that like i was a coach's son i know there's a lot of pressure on you but and i didn't like run around saying oh yeah this guy's a jerk we don't need him we run the ball better without him." like dude just shut your mouth pull up carmelo anthony what at least how we see carmelo we we told him what he should do and just play ball
1: so were you out there just bad mouthing the best or second
0: best player like, in your team? No, because I knew better. Because <laughs> my father would have slapped me upside the head, and it, it's funny because even um even Doc said, and he said it, he said it February tenth, obviously long before his son. He said anybody that thinks that we're a better team without Blake Griffin needs to get their head checked. So. It, it, there you go. I mean, his. I guess his son doesn't follow his father on Twitter because if he would have, he would have seen that and said, "Oh, yeah, I should, I should, I should shut up." But
1: see, I wouldn't say they're a better team without him, but they they're just as effective. I mean, they've been winning games. I mean you know
0: yeah no they haven't and Chris Paul stepped up and and I think that's what maybe you know to a certain extent that's what they needed because Chris Paul you know kind of deferred a lot obviously to Blake Griffin and you know rightfully so but yeah it's a different type of team it's a you know and and only time will tell if they end up due trading uh you know Blake in the offseason if if they will be a better team without him it's hard to say but for anybody to say that if Chris Paul said it fine Jamal Crawford said it fine maybe even DeAndre but you little man who used to play really well at Duke and hasn't done much in the NBA stop
1: Something to think about, though. They mean, they they went across water and air to get DeAndre Jordan back with the Clippers. I think that DeAndre Jordan becomes a better player without Blake Griffin in the lineup. Yeah. I'm not just saying that because I have DeAndre Jordan on my fantasy team, but I'm just saying <laughs> that he gets more burning, he's a lot more effective without Blake Griffin. Yeah,
0: well, you don't have two massive bodies in the middle clogging up the paint. You've got just one guy. I mean, that's it's smart. So, so you trade one, right? Uh, absolutely, and yeah, I would. I mean, we talked about that a while ago. We, we we even gave you a couple places that Blake could have gone to, a la, a la you know where he played his college ball in Oklahoma City. Uh, so maybe we'll revisit that. I don't know. It's interesting, but then you look at a team that's doing it all right. Steve Kerr was in the news today, and you know I don't know if you heard this, but he said resting will take precedence. We will rest guys if they need it. Before we will go for any kind of streak or record that's for Do you sure. You believe that? No, and I, that's the thing. I said for sure this is a zero remark. This is this is totally just a, a, this is a, a way of motivating his team and shutting everybody up because there's no way that Steve Kerr, who if I'm not mistaken was on the 96 Bulls, would ever let that <laughs> let this record go. So Steve, I know what you're doing, but it's a zero remark, my man. And I love you. I think you're great.
1: He is great, and he doesn't get enough credit. I know people talk about Mark Jackson, but Steve Kerr is a mastermind out there yeah, absolutely. When his lineup changes. And you know, like I said, they're gonna they're gonna go for the they're gonna go for the streak. They're gonna try to top the Bulls because everyone talks, and we talked about this early in the show about how people feel like the Golden State War is gonna eventually bottom out or at least drop down to what they should be. That they're playing above their their level right now, and I just feel I don't see that. I see this is as, as an elite team. They have some great play. They have some good players. Next to one central shooter who can, like again, shoot from anywhere on the court. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like they could probably go for seventy-five wins, but we'll see. We'll see what it shakes down to in, in April.
0: No, it'll be interesting. Let's talk about your favorite NFL quarterback, Kirk Cousins, real quick, shall we? He got tagged. We we know that. This guy actually wants 20 mil per season. He's going to get 16 this year because of the tag. He was great over the final 10 games of the year. Okay, we get that. He threw for 4,166 yards. Nearly 70% of all his passes were caught. 29 TDs and only 11 catches. But is Cousins a hero when it comes to his estimation of worth? Or is he a zero? Because the man, again, and we keep talking, this seems to be the, the trend of the day, proving what you're worth over the course of time before cashing in.
1: I say he's a hero. Again, I, I've never, I'm never not in favor of a person cashing those checks. I mean, the guy led his team to the playoffs. You got to blame Sam Bradford for this. Oh yeah, got paid two, for two years, $35 million, $17.5 million per year. So you figure the market goes up for mediocre quarterbacks, and Kirk Cousins is just taking advantage of that. Ryan Fitzpatrick may take advantage of that when he negotiates with the Jets, or if he's negotiating with them right now. So with Sam Bradford getting paid what he got paid, he opens the door for French quarterbacks all around the league. And Kirk Cousins is just saying, well, what does Sam Bradford do? Sam Bradford has even been to the playoffs. At least Kirk Cousins, even though he lost, say he he took his team there after RG3 got benched. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins is just taking advantage of the market. And, you know, kudos to him if he gets it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh. He was really good. I mean, wh- where would Washington go if they didn't, if they don't pay this guy anyway? You're going to go back to Colt McCoy? You're going to go try to get right. Rex Grossman off of the, you know, the grocery, the grocery line at Publix? Like, I, you just, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, you pay him, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Think of it this way. It's better to have a mediocre quarterback than no quarterback. And I know people say, well, the price has to be right. Well, you're an NFL team with the money to pay. If you have the money to pay a mediocre quarterback versus starting over, it's not like Washington has a high draft pick. Those top prospects in the draft will be gone by the time they make their pick. So they're just trying to say, they're who knows what they're negotiating for, for Cousins. But he's saying, hey, pay me. I went to the playoffs, like you said, Arian Foster, earlier. Mm-hmm. If I take you to the playoffs, I take you somewhere. Pay me for that.
0: It's true. No, it's very true. And and sticking with that theme, Tuesday's rolling around real soon. Uh, the Sheriff, he's kind of prolonging this uh, this debacle of will he, won't he? Is he going to stay? Is he going to get cut? You know, John Elway's not going to play. He's going to get cut Tuesday. So if he doesn't retire Tuesday, he's going to be a free agent. Is he a hero for prolonging the process and, and thinking he can play? Or is he a zero because... This is just going on way too long, and if he comes back and stinks, then his reputation and career has kind of got that little bit of a tarnish on it.
1: No one will say this to Peyton Manning's face, but he's a zero for prolonging this, yeah. only because he's he's putting the Denver Broncos in a very bad predicament where they have to okay basically say, we're moving on without you. And, I, and I've and i heard they, they've sent a, tenu, a tentative you know negotiation plan for for brock osweiler and i feel feel like they should have been done that because even with peyton manning back in a lot of is he the quarterback that you want going into next season i mean the guy played half half of the season yes he came back with the playoffs in the postseason but you're just better off moving on anyway now peyton manning no one's gonna rush him he's the great peyton manning and everyone loves him but he's he's prolonging a, a decision he should have he should have already thought about. I mean, obviously players say, Well, while I play in the season, I don't think about the off season. I don't think about my offseason decisions. I don't believe that. I mean he had to have in his head what he's gonna do after. If he were to win, what am I gonna do? If I lose, what am I gonna do? And at this point it's been it's been about a month, okay? So make a decision and move on. Now, Mike Freeman says that, you know, NFL GM see him. With the Rams ending up possibly with the Rams, and I don't see that happening because the Rams just don't have the parts to put him in the playoffs. I mean, you need they're going to need someone. I mean, they have Todd Gurley, but they don't have anyone to throw to on the outside. Peyton Manning is again a marginal quarterback at this point in his career, and I don't see him ending up on the Rams, even if he wants to play another year. I wouldn't go. To, I wouldn't go to Los Angeles. Great, great city. But not for an NFL team. If you're looking for a, a postseason appearance,
0: yeah, the, uh, the Rams is just kind of a it's a face of the franchise. It's somebody to get people to buy tickets and get excited about in Los Angeles for one season. It's not a long term deal.
1: So who do you, who do you have? What do you have Peyton Manning doing? is he gonna stay and if he stays who does he play for or does he just retire
0: i think i think at this point i had him retiring last week i had him retiring right after he won the super bowl now i think he's staying i think he's staying and i think he hopes a team like the houston texans come knocking on his door because they got a horrible quarterback situation over there and they've got a really really good defense they've got one of the top wide receivers in the league i don't know if Peyton can get him the ball and deandre hopkins um, but if they can, if they can get a guy who like maybe like Peyton that can at least manage the game, uh, they can draft a guy Christian Hackenberg out of Penn State, who if you remember was uh, was actually brought to Penn State by his coach Bill O'Brien, who right. is now the coach of the Houston Texans. I think that would be a good way to at least have Hackenberg sit and learn something from a, from the the great mind at least of Peyton Manning. And then go get a running back. And you know what? With that defense, it's it's pretty much what you had with Denver. You let Peyton manage the game. You got an okay offensive line that can keep him healthy. You you run the ball 20 to 25 times. Maybe you get two backs or you keep what you got in in Polk. You keep what you got in blue and go get another guy, like maybe a Matt Forte. And you kind of duplicate what Denver did last year. Anywhere else he goes, it just doesn't. I don't see it happening. I don't know who would even give him an opportunity. Yeah, the Rams would, but it's just to sell tickets. The Jets, uh, that doesn't really make sense. Oh, yeah, I, oh, no, no, it doesn't, no, no. It doesn't not, make sense. Not in, not in,
1: win, not in the windy middlelands. It doesn't. Oh make
0: God, sense. could you imagine like the frisbees going up into the stands? Oh, man.
1: oh. he's throwing ducks all day in the Meadowlands. <laughs> he goes to the Jets. Seriously, yeah, it's not happening. I mean, it'd be cool to have him and Manning in the same. Oh table. yeah, yeah. He, thing, but I mean, that, that's just not not a good. Uh, not a good move for him Yeah,
0: would be. There's very few options And uh maybe by Tuesday We'll know Maybe, he, maybe he'll maybe he retire Right before he gets cut But it, he's getting cut One way or the other Uh You know So it'll, it'll be interesting But let's just Let's just put this bed I'm sure this won't be The last time we talk About Manning But uh, you know Let's hope for the sake Him and Carmelo Can you know Ride off into the sunset Somewhere together Because <laughs> I'm tired About talking Both of them They're both driving me nuts but Yeah uh, I
1: was going to say They're both irritating me At this yeah,
0: point Yeah absolutely But that's what Sp- Sports Talk Radio Is all about And uh we'll be right back with the wrap-up and one question for mo
1: this is the wrap-up
0: here we are it's the wrap-up it's the final segment of episode three and today's question comes from my man mo Dallas momentum <laughs> Mo Moten. Money and
1: buckets, all right? That's what we care about over here, money
0: and buckets. That's what Mo cares about. I'm more about championships, you know. Joe Johnson does, too, by the way. Yeah, Joe Joe, Joe and Mo are actually going to start their own podcast. It's called the Joe oh. and Mo Hour. <laughs> we'll be on
1: the money team at Floyd Mayweather.
0: Yeah. He, he the yeah, them too, Justin Bieber. It's everybody we love to hate. <laughs> So here we go. The question for Mo was uh comes from a Twitter user. Mo, did you watch the Academy Awards? If so, what did you think about the racial quote unquote joke Chris Rock made that featured the three Asian children on stage? Now, real quick, before Mo um gets into it, just to give everybody a background what had happened was that it was an ill-conceived bit, in my opinion, involving Asian children portraying supposed bankers from PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, rock jokes. They sent us their most dedicated, accurate, and hard-working representatives, Rock said. Please welcome ming Zhu, Bao Ling, and David Moskowitz. Rock then said, if anybody's upset about that joke, just tweet about it on your phone that was also made by these kids. Now, why this? obviously this question is coming from Mo is because Charlotte Hornets guard Jeremy Lin who took to, quickly after took to social media on Monday to slam both Chris Rock and the Oscars for what he said was a tone-deaf bit that involved stereotyping Asians. In Jeremy Lin's word, words on Twitter, he said, Seriously, though, when is this going to change? Tired of it being cool and okay to bash Asians. SMH. Shaking my head. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Lin, who plays for the Charlotte Hornets, is the first American of Chinese and Taiwanese descent to play in the league. So he obviously understands and is appalled by this situation mo being a, a man of african-american descent and obviously we all understand why chris rock was was at the oscars what he was trying to say what he was trying to get his point across do you do you kind of uh do you understand both sides Do you understand Justin lynn do you understand that they were trying to poke fun and trying to make it uh humorous even though it was kind of off taste off color uh, where, where do you go from this
1: uh, first, I was saying it was offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was if I was an Asian American, I would feel a certain type of way about this. But people have to understand the stage he was on. Chris Rock. Chris Rock is a comedian. I mean, that's how he got his. He started his name. He's a comedian. He, he's on. He was on a stage to bring light to a situation, a serious situation, but in a comedic manner. So you have to understand that. These writers and producers okay this bit for him to do this. I mean, the Asian kids weren't just there. I mean, everyone was on board with this. So if Jeremy Lin's going to be upset, I would be upset with the producers and the writers of, of Chris Rock's bit. Now, again, he's he's a comedian. So let's say if a white comedian gets on stage and he makes a joke about slavery black people, of course, I'll cringe a little bit, but I understand that, number one, he is a comedian, and number two, where, where, where is his arena? What stage is he on? It's different when a comedian says something on, on you know the Academy Awards versus saying something in a serious setting. So what, what Chris Rock did was he basically took a joke that is not funny, but he put it in, in, an, in an arena where it would be accepted by the people there. Now, again, Asian Americans, they took offense to it, and rightfully so. But you gotta understand that this this is a show. This is what this is what goes on, this is what they okay beforehand. So Chris Rock just didn't come out there and improv this. And Jeremy Lin obviously took offense, and, and I see it from his side, but I also see it from the side of this is entertainment. Of course, it's not okay to make fun of people, it's not okay to make fun of child slave labor and all of that, that stuff, but you have to understand that he, he's on the stage where they deemed it acceptable. Doesn't mean it is acceptable he's on a stage where they okayed it I don't know if you feel the same about it but that, that's how I feel as an African American male who, who obviously sees uh, the states full jokes about African Americans online and social media as well
0: yeah, no, I, I, I get your point definitely. Uh, from what I read, the 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 young lady who was on stage, uh, she and her parents weren't told that that was the joke, and they were they were that's why they were super offended. Again, we don't know if this is a hundred percent true. Um, it's just it's one of those things. It's like yes, I I'm Italian. Okay, Italians too have were were basically were looked down upon for for many years in, in the 1900s in early in early America while we were still being, you know, put together as a country. But I'm still considered Caucasian when I signed my tax form. So <laughs> I kind of get it. Uh, but I also get, there also becomes to a point where it's like, it's almost okay for certain comedians, and we'll even say Chris Rock, to continually, you know, we're saying white people do this, white people do that. There's also a point where it's like, alright, alright, we get it. We, we, like, we want to bring, there's a way of bringing uh, people together, and there's a way of bringing attention to a certain subject and there's a lot of comedians that it seems almost okay to a point now where black comedians can make fun of white people but and 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 i don't like again i i get it we we all know history we all know that you know certain things are acceptable in today's uh today's day and uh, day day and age dave chappelle's done it for years and it's funny (laughs) and plenty of white people watch his movies and see his shows i'm one of them but there's also a point where it's like okay but why is that okay why is it okay for, for a black comedian to say white people are this and white people are that, but if a white comedian and I, and I don't know any off the top of my head, I could be wrong that I haven't seen any that come out and say black person this black person that because like you said it would people would go oh like you can't do that yeah you you can yeah. you can there's certain things black people can say to black people and there's certain things white people can say to white people and that's just the way it yeah. is and you know and again there's certain people there's certain white people that you know are more I guess accepted. In, in, in the black community and vice versa so you have to,
1: you have to really know your audience sure uh, Louis CK is a comedian. he makes a lot of jokes and he he peppers all races and he goes yeah. through the gamut of you know everyone now Chris Rock gets out there and he and he makes this joke and, and people take offense and again I I understand it. And he also said things that may have made white people, you know, uncomfortable. If you looked in the crowd, at the stands, at his his opening monologue, there were some white people that were kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know if I should laugh or not." Oh yeah. So um, it's 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 a fine line to draw, and I think they took a risk with that, a risk that they sh- I wouldn't have taken as a producer. I probably would have backed off of that. And wouldn't have went there. But they did, and, and obviously, there's some backlash for it. And Chris had to know that there's gonna be backlash for it. And this is, we're in a climate now where, where we're preaching uh, tolerance for everyone. With everything going on in the world and Trump trying to ban Muslims and stuff like that, we're in a very sensitive society where people's like, let's be inclusive and not exclusive. Let's not make fun of this group and not, if you're gonna make fun of somebody, you know, at least be even keel about it if you're a comedian. But don't just pick out a certain group and and you know pick out something that's that's a very sensitive topic. And I believe that's what Jeremy Lin was getting at when he took social media.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's a great way to come back to you know to the initial point of all this is that you're you're there, you're Chris Rock. You're trying to you're trying to get your point across, and you're doing your job of it. And then to just kind of fall back on stereotype and talk, yeah. talking about a specific people is just. It's just kind of stupid, you know. It's just at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, what's the point? And and like you said, it was approved, and and the producers that you know were okay I mean, with it, but it's just why? Like you you you're you're kind of moving the needle on on the importance of the subject, and then it's just like, well, we're right back to dumbing it down. Just,
1: right, you took a step, you take a step forward. To bring awareness to this and put it in a comedic way that people can understand it, and then you take a step back with a, a tasteless joke, it's it's tough. And people, uh, Chris Rock has had mixed reviews on what he said and what he did throughout the whole night. But people, in, in a general idea, people had to understand that this was this was, this was was coming. You had to see this coming with bringing in Chris Rock. This is all yeah. about bringing in viewers and bringing light to a serious situation. That's true. And and I don't think that stage is is the stage where we need to have a serious conversation about these things. I believe that's that's the stage where you have to look at it, take it with a grain of salt. Don't take it seriously. Don't look at Chris Rock as this horrible person. But as you mentioned before, those writers and those producers should come under heavy fire for what they did, especially if the parents of those children weren't aware what they're getting involved in.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, you know, again, you're you're talking about people, your children who, you know, it's just these are these children. <laughs>
1: I'm sensitive to children. I know you're just going to speak on it, but when you bring kids into something, it kind of changes it a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you have adults up there, consenting adults who know what's going on, and you make fun of an adult who's of a specific background or something, fine. And if he's if he or she is okay with it, fine. But when you start to put underage kids in it, it's kind of like, eh. You
0: yeah, I mean, want to step back. Yeah, you could even see the one little boy didn't even know where to stand. He was he, he moved forward, he yes. moved back, he and even Chris Rock said something. He's like, oh, just stand there. Like it's just it cringe worthy, and there are a lot of cringe worthy moments i mean uh, it was just it was a weird it was a weird setup uh, obviously it's a, it's a strange time in hollywood it's a strange time all over the world to be honest with you and uh, you know again this is why we do this show to try to to try to bring a little bit of levity to to the world of sports but also to inform and to get people to try to think that you know again everything everything happens for a reason everything is really played out uh, to a certain extent on the court but it, it has such cultural effects worldwide that sometimes the people in the sports world and the entertainment community in general forget that and they, they they're so wrapped up in themselves whether we're talking about domestic abuse or race relations people are so worried about the right now and they're worried about either making a statement or worried about making a joke or, or they don't worry about the consequences long term and I think that's what was really brilliant by Jeremy Lin to bring this up because I, I after this I saw I saw a poll that said you know I think it was 14% African American American in the Hollywood community and 1.2 percent uh of, of the asian community in hollywood so you know there's so many different races that you know that are are all trying to break out not just one or the other that again if we're going to talk about one we got to talk about them all right it's, again it's, let's be inclusive not exclusive absolutely it's a great point point. and you know what let's uh at the end of the day, we all just got to come to a certain kind of uh, an understanding and a, and a common ground. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to tread water for first, for too, too many years and it just affects too many people at, the, at their core of it. So, it's uh, again, this is the Mike and Mo Show. We're trying to uh, trying to give you some humor. We're trying to give you some some thought. We're trying to give you a debate. We want you guys to, to let us know what you think. We want you to hit us up on social media and we want you to kind of just, just take something away from this show that, that is it's sports related, but at the end of the day might even be a little bit more important than sports because again without life there is no sports and and that's the key to to everything
1: absolutely and uh, if you if you look at our facebook page we got a new graphic shout out to uh my guy steve verna but the graphic, um, it's a great graphic. Looks like me. Looks like Mike, and and <laughs> look like a great pair and a yes sir successful pair on, on that on that logo. So if you guys are on Facebook or on Twitter, you just give us a follow, Mike Mo Show, or on Facebook, Mike Mo Show.
0: Yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you like, what you don't like. Be kind. Um, and again, we're doing this for you, so uh, you know, hit us up. And uh, we, yeah, you know, we look forward to doing many more of these episodes and continuing, you know, to the conversation on the things that really matter because that's why we do this. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is it for episode three of the Mike and Mo show. Make sure to hit us up uh, on the social media uh, platforms. We will be on iTunes this week, so definitely download us, listen to us at your leisure, and we'll be back next week. Episode four, we'll have some sweet, sweet stuff in store for you. Mo, anything else you want to say?
1: Uh, not much, money and buckets. Me, Joe Johnson, Floyd
0: Mayweather. We'll be in Las Vegas. We'll be throwing parties, money oh, buckets. Can I, get, uh, even though I don't agree with you, can I get an invite to the party? Yeah, you want an invite? Of course you yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I gotta do my thing. So uh, <laughs> no, it's only
1: like, you know what. Except for Joe Johnson, it's for only people five eleven and under. Oh,
0: so. uh, well, I'm definitely not getting there. Me and Joe are gonna start our own club. We're gonna call it <laughs> six one and up, and. Uh, <laughs> It's gonna be great. You gotta uh, be this yeah, this been tall been to been ride the ride.
1: So
0: yeah, that's true. I know we're trying to push uh, push an agenda here. We gotta keep it real. Well, that is it. Tune in next week. Mike and Mo will be here for you and everyone. God bless. Be good and uh, take it easy.